Bakersoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred and Elsie, Episode 8 There is a letter, my dear, which concerns you quite as much as myself, Mr. Keith said, putting it into his wife's hand. It gives information which perhaps, for several reasons, it may be as well for us to keep to ourselves for the present, he added, with a smile. That is why I kept it back until now that we are alone. They had retired to their own room for the night, and the little ones who shared it with them were fast asleep. From Uncle Dinsmore, Mrs. Keith exclaimed, recognizing the handwriting at a glance. Her husband watched her face with interest and some curiosity as she read, a slight smile on his lips and in his eyes. She looked up presently with her shining. How good, how wonderfully good and kind they always are. Almost too kind, he responded, his face clouding a little. At least I wish there was no occasion for receiving such favors. I should have been tempted to decline had I been consulted beforehand. But it would hardly do now that the goods are almost here. We could not well send them back. No, certainly that is not to be thought of for a moment, she said, lifting to his eyes, smiling through tears. We must follow the golden rule, Stuart, and accept their kind assistance in educating our children just as we would wish them to accept ours, were our situations reversed. Yes, he said, heaving a sigh. Doubtless you take the right view of it, but ah... Marcia, wife, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is indeed, my dear husband, and we will not refuse them that blessedness now, but receive their kindness in the spirit in which they are offered, hoping that we may have our turn some of these days, shall we not? He gave a silent assent. Do you not agree with me that it will be well to keep the matter a secret for the children until the boxes arrive? He asked. Oh, yes, indeed. We will not let even Mildred know. It will be such a delightful surprise to her, dear child. For though she has uttered no word of complaint, I am sure it must have been a great disappointment to her that you could not furnish her with a piano this fall to enable her to keep up her music. Now she can do that and teach her sisters, too. And her playing will be a great treat to us all, added Mr. Keith, with a smile that spoke volumes of fatherly affection and pride in his firstborn. And then the books, what delightful times we shall have over them, she added, her eyes sparkling. What a help they will be in cultivating our children's minds. I think our dear girl must have completely won her way into the hearts of my uncle and cousin Horace. As her mother did before her, he responded with a light, happy laugh. When preparing to leave Ohio for the wilds of Indiana, Mr. Keith had sold most of their heavy articles of furniture, among them the piano. Its loss had been greatly lamented in the family, especially by the older girls and Rupert. The purchase of another had become a darling project with him, and to that end he had worked and saved till he had now quite a little hoard, earned mostly by the sale of fruits, vegetables, and fowls of his own raising, his mother paying him for these at the market price, and whatever surplus he had finding ready sell at the stores. The lad was very industrious and painstaking, generally very successful in what he undertook, as such people are apt to be, and while generous to others, spent little on himself. 
Since Mildred's return, the desire for a piano was stronger than ever. There was not one in the town, nor an organ, or any kind of keyed instrument, so that there was no chance for them to hear her play and judge of her improvement, and worse still, she would be in danger of want of practice, of losing all she had gained. But pianos cost a great deal in those days, and Mr. Keith could not just now spare the money to make the purchase, and pay the heavy cost of transportation. Money was scarce in that region then, business carried on very largely by barter. This made it easier for him to be at the expense of enlarging his house than to pay for something that must come from a distance. There was little or no fretting or complaint over this stage of things, but the children often talked longingly of the good time coming, when father would be able, with the help of what they could earn and save, to send for a piano. That time seemed to be brought a little nearer by an act of thoughtful kindness on the part of their dear Aunt Wealthy. She had set apart from her income a certain sum which she engaged to send to their mother at regular intervals, to be divided among them as pocket money. The dear old lady could hardly have devised anything that would have given more pleasure. The news, as announced by Mildred on the day of her arrival, was received with demonstrations of wild delight, and evidently the little ones now considered themselves moneyed individuals, taking great pride and pleasure in consulting together, or with father and mother, as to the disposal of their incomes. This opened up to the careful Christian parents a new opportunity for the study of the natural character of each of their children and the curbing of wrong inclinations, whether towards extravagance or penuriousness. One day, several weeks after Mildred's return, Rupert came in near the dinner hour, and drawing his mother aside, whispered something in her ear. There was a look of covert delight in his face, and his eyes sparkled as he added, One's long, low, and broad mother can only be one thing, I think, just the thing we're all wanting so much. But where could it come from? Where do you suppose, she answered merrily. Well, the instant you're done your dinner, you may go down and see them brought up. But father said it was your wish, and his to make it a complete surprise to the children. Mildred included, laughed the mother. You are so much older than she, I will manage it. They shall all be out of the way while we unpack. Mr. Keith came in presently, and with his arrival the call to dinner. Mildred looked curiously at Rupert several times during the meal, wondering at his unaccustomed air of importance, the half-exultant meaning glance he now and then sent across the table to one or the other of their parents, and the haste with which he swallowed his food and hurried from the table and used as he had business of importance to attend to. "'Dear me, what airs!' laughed Zilla as he whisked out of the room. "'One would think he was a man, sure enough.' "'Girls,' said Mrs. Keith, "'I want you to take a little, the little ones out for a walk this afternoon. "'It is a bright day, and the walking good, "'and if you are all well wrapped up, you will not feel the cold.' "'Not if they go at once,' put in Mr. Keith. "'Run away and make yourselves ready, all of you.' "'The party will be large enough without me, won't it, mother?' queried Mildred. "'You know I have a piece of sewing on hand that I am very desirous to finish before night.' "'Let it go, child. You need air and exercise far more than I do the dress,' was the kind and smiling rejoinder. Then came a chorus of entreaties from all the children that mother would go too, but she would not hear of it. Had a matter of importance to attend to at home, perhaps if tomorrow should prove pleasant, she would go with them then.' And so with smiles and merry, loving words, she helped to make them ready and sent them on their way. Barely in time, 
for hardly were they out of sight when a wagon drove up with two large, weighty-looking boxes. Rupert and two men, beside the driver, were in the vehicle also, and it took all their strength, with Mr. Keith's added, to lift and carry the boxes into the house. "'Oh, it is a piano! I know it is!' cried Rupert, as they sat down in the hall of the box he had described to his mother. "'A piano, did you say?' queried one of the men, as for a moment they all stood panting from their exertions, and gazing down upon the burden they had just deposited upon the floor." Let's get it open quick then, for I never see one in my life. Rupert ran for the hatchet, and in another five minutes the lid was off the box, and all remaining doubt vanished. It is, it is, cried the lad, fairly capering about the room in his delight. Oh, what a joyful surprise for the girls and all of us. But where on earth did it come from, father? I had nothing to do with it, my son, Mr. Keith asserted with a grave earnestness that precluded the idea that he might be jesting. The boy looked bewildered, then disappointed. There's been some mistake, I'm afraid. Perhaps there's another family of our name, somewhere in this region, and... But his mother whispered a word in his ear, and his face grew radiant. Is that it, oh, mother, how good they are? Let's get the thing out and see what it's like, said the man who had spoken before the others eagerly assented, and set to work at once, Mr. Keith giving assistance and directions, Mrs. Keith pointing out the place in the parlor where she wished it to stand. "'You can play, I suppose, Mrs. Keith. Won't you give us a tune?' was the eager request when their task was ended. Smilingly, she seated herself and played Yankee Doodle with variations. They were delighted. First rate,' commented the one who seemed to act as chief spokesman for the party. Now, ma'am, if you please, won't you strike up Hail Columbia? She good-naturedly complied, added star-spangled banner, then rose from the instrument. They thanked her warmly, saying they felt well paid for bringing the thing in. You must come in again some day if you enjoy hearing it, she said with gracious sweetness. I think you will find my daughter a better performer than I am. Yours is plenty good enough for us, they answered, bowing themselves out. It is a very sweet-toned instrument, she remarked, running her fingers over the keys. A most magnificent present. How delighted Mildred and the rest will be. I am eager to witness it, her husband said with a smile. It is indeed a most valuable gift, and nothing could have been more acceptable. They're the kindest, most generous relations anybody ever had, added Rupert emphatically. What's in that other box? Shan't we open it now? Books, answered his mother. Yes, we may as well open it and spread them out, ready for Mildred's inspection. Most of them belong to her. This done, Mrs. Keith again seated herself at the piano. The young people had taken a pretty long walk, moving briskly to keep themselves warm, for the November air was frosty, and were returning in high spirits, eyes sparkling and cheeks glowing with health and happiness, while the tongues of the little ones ran fast and a joyous shout on a silvery laugh rang out now and then, for the greater part of their way lay not through the streets of the town, but on its outskirts along the river bank, through the groves of saplings, and over still unoccupied prairie land. When they came where there were houses and people to be disturbed by their noise, their mirth subsided a little, and they spoke to each other in subdued tones. As they drew near home, unaccustomed, surprising sounds greeted their astonished ears. "'Oh, what's that? Music?' cried the little ones. "'Such pretty music!' "'Why, it sounds like a piano!' exclaimed the older ones. 
but where could it come from? And they rushed tumultuously into the house, even Mildred forgetting the staid propriety of her years. The parlor door stood open, and yes, there it was, a beautiful piano, mother's skillful fingers bringing out its sweetest tones. Father and Rupert standing enraptured close beside her, and Celestian sleeves rolled up, dish towel in hand, eyes dancing, a mouth stretched in a broad grin stationed at the farther end. Well, I never. What on earth did the critter come from? She exclaimed just as the others came up, the, up on the scene. I never see the like. I never did, she went on. I just ran down to town of an errand, and I'd come home again, and in the back door, and begun to wash up them dishes when I hear this a-going on, coming in to find out what under the sun was a-going on. But no one seemed to hear a word she said. The children were jumping and careering about the room in frantic delight, clapping their hands, pouring out questions and exclamations. Oh, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Isn't it a beauty? It's just too nice for anything. Who did send it? Mildred stood silently gazing at it, her eyes full of glad tears. Father and Rupert were watching her, taking no notice of the others. Well, dear, her mother said, whirling about on the piano stool and looking up into her face with tender, loving eyes. Oh, mother, it is too much, she cried, the tears beginning to fall. Uncle Dinsmore sent it, I know, and I do believe it's one of the very two I liked the best of all we saw. He bought the other for themselves, and this for us, for you, dear. But indeed it is, he says, not his own gift, but Cousin Horace's. The books are from him, our kind, generous uncle, and she pointed to them, where they lay piled high upon the table. Books, too, Mildred exclaimed in increased astonishment and delight. Yes, he has marked out a course of reading for you, subject to your father's and my approval, and sent the necessary books and some others beside. While his wife was speaking, Mr. Keith had drawn near and put an arm around Mildred's waist, and now she fairly broke down, and hiding her face on her father's shoulder, sobbed aloud. The children were immediately awed into silence. They gathered around her, asking in half-frightened tones, "'Millie, Millie, what's the matter? Are you sorry the piano's come? We thought you'd be so glad.' "'And so I am,' she said, lifting her head and smiling through her tears." Her mother vacated the stool. Her father seated her thereon, and hastily wiping away her tears, she sent her fingers flying over the keys in a lively, merry tune that set the children to jumping and dancing more wildly than before. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. <laughs>